Welcome everybody to episode 33 of SB Unfurled and Friends, the Josh Ienny episode, right? Well, it's Marquis Simmons, who else is 33? You know, Flay 33. Flay 33, oh, of course, I was thinking more historical. <laughs> Lil Bon X here with SB Unfurled, getting you ready for Sienna and Canisius. We're finally here. It's been a long journey, especially if we take away 2020 and not having fans in the arena like we've talked about already, but... It's been a long journey to finally get here. Fans back, full season, God willing, no cancellations. How are you feeling going into this game? <laughs> um, man, I, it would be easy to say I'm a little apprehensive because of some of the starts we had. I think three years in a row we dropped shockers to Niagara, to uh, Ohio, to Bucknell. There's There's been some bumpy, bumpy first uh, home openers, so... I, I think this one is going to be a little different. Our guys are going to be ready to go. We're raising the banners before the game. Yes. It's going to be a packed, sold-out crowd. The guys are getting their rings. Um, and I, I just I feel good about this one. But um, we, we do have a guest here to tell us maybe how an underdog Saints team could upset the Bonnies or, or what we should be looking for, I guess, if you're, if you're not too well-read on the Siena Saints this year. That's right. We have somebody very knowledgeable about pretty much everywhere in college basketball. He ranked every single team and didn't just do it from A to Z or Z to A to throw somebody off. <laughs> he, Evan Sweeney, he is from Sports Illustrated and covers college basketball for them. Also has his own podcast, and he's coming on here. He's mainly here to break down Sienna because he says he knows quite a bit about them. And so, Kevin, we want to really thank you for being our latest friend here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Yeah, th- thanks so much for for having me, guys. I, I grew up in the uh, the Capital Region and you know, still, still around Siena religiously. My, uh, I, I have family that works there, family that goes there, family that went there. So it's kind of a kind of the hometown program. So I certainly stay up to date. So we know where your allegiances lie in the Franciscan Cup. No, you're yeah. you're a neutral. Uh, you're a neutral. In this one, yes. in this one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Kevin had the Bonnies ranked 23rd in his ranking, which is in line with what the AP put the Bonnies. I feel like maybe relatively high on Siena at 184, third in the MAC. What should Bona fans be looking for if they're not too familiar with this Siena roster? Because I talked to you a little bit a couple days ago. There's been um, a lot of injuries. There's been transfers coming in. They have some freshmen that might have big roles. So what should what should Bona fans be looking for with the Siena Saints? A lot of new faces. I mean, if you kind of think back to the game two years ago, the last time these two teams met and you know, Sienna knocked off St. Bonaventure and it's basically the same St. Bonaventure rotation. It gets you swapping Attaway for uh, for Justin Winston. But you know, the Sienna team is like the, the only player left from that team two years ago is a walk-on, Rob Mahala, who didn't play in that game. So there, there are no familiar faces. There's really only two or three familiar faces really from last season's MAC title team. You know, Jackson Stormo, who I think will be a centerpiece at center. He's a 6'9 kid who has great touch around the basket. Looked really good last year, I think. Nice. In a much different role this year, given that uh, they won't have Jalen Pickett and they won't have Manny Camper, but they're really excited about what he'll do. And then they've regrouped with transfers more than anything. Uh, you know, Anthony Gaines from Northwestern is the headliner. He's a guy that they, again, are very, very excited about. They think he'll be. You know, one of the better players in the MAC. You know, potentially a, a first-team all-league guy. Uh, he's six-five. He's smooth athletically. He can 
you know, dominate physically. He was a two-time captain at Northwestern, so he bring, brings a lot of leadership as well. So, you know, I think Gaines and Stormo are, are the centerpieces, and then, you know, this is still a work in progress, though, with all of the uh, with all the new faces, and they've had you know, several different injuries in and out during uh, during fall camp. So it's it's been a, a grinder. I think the Siena team will not be nearly as good on November the 9th as they will be on March 1st. I think that would be the um, – that would be the best way of summarizing where this team is at right now. So when I think of Siena, I think in the past few years, they've had quite a few good players down low. Um, so is there just, is, is there a particular style that they're going to, that you think they might be able to play with this year? Is it still way too early to even say that because of all the new, uh, the newcomers? So I think what's, what's interesting is they basically had a stud big three years in a row, Evan Fisher, Elijah Burns, who really was excellent, and then Stormo last year. Um, and a lot of that gets attributed to Jalen Pickett at point guard because he was, I think, maybe the best pick-and-roll passer in the country. Um, and, and his ability to get Biggs open looks, I mean, it, it just made life very easy. Uh, and it also meant that Sienna played pretty slow tempo-wise because it didn't really make sense to run when you were just trying to get into ball screens. Um, this year, I think they're going to get away from that a lot because – uh, you know, the point guard play is not, it's not a, it's not a guy like Pickett. It's Aiden Carpenter, a six, four sophomore who is unbelievably fast. I mean, he is a menace in transition. Uh, I think they're going to, and Carmen Massarello, their head coach has said this, they're going to try to get out and run as much as possible and, uh, get shots in the first 12 seconds of the shot clock, play, play nine or 10 guys. I think, I think offensively, they're going to be a much different team pace wise than what they've been. And so, you know, integrating that with a guy in Stormo that they're very excited about, I think will be very interesting. And I think one of the biggest things is they're going to have to learn throughout the season. And one of those things you can only maybe learn from playing against another team in a highly competitive game. So uh, I'd expect it, especially early on, that Sienna's going to try to push the pace, try to force some turnovers, and uh, not not necessarily let it get into the half court like they've done in the past. Yeah, we've seen some teams, especially in the Atlantic 10, try to push the pace on us because we are with with Lofton at the helm not so much when Adams was here we are uh one of the slower tempo teams in the country but it seemed like last year every time a team tried to get out and run and control the tempo um Lofton just did a a phenomenal job not letting that happen getting into the half-court sets slowing the game down uh and just running Schmidt's half-court offense so um it, it will be interesting to see those differential styles um are there any mismatches that you're going to be looking for I, I know you mentioned a couple guys on Siena, but with Adaway probably being out maybe uh Koulibaly comes in at the four could that present mismatch problems or is there anything on the wings that you're going to be looking at in this game I mean Siena's going to play smaller um Gaines is six foot four six foot five he's going to play a lot of four uh Jace Johnson who's a transfer from Middle Tennessee State is six foot five He's going to play a lot of four, if not for games. Like, they're going to play three and four a lot together. Um, so I think in a game where Bonaventure might look to play two bigs more often with Koulibaly because of no Attaway, that could go one of two ways, right? Like, if Sienna plays the style they want to play, that means Gaines is out in transition. Gaines is getting Koulibaly out on the perimeter, and he's exploiting that mismatch. On the other hand, if this game gets in the half court, then Gaines, who is, is very strong, I mean, he's built like a linebacker and has played, played some four in the Big Ten the last couple of years, so he's certainly – you know, physically able to to match up. That could be a challenging matchup, though, if they, if Bonnie's can post him up. So mm-hmm. I think that matchup's really the biggest one kind of physically uh, physically to watch. And then other than that, I think it's more so 
uh, you know, may, maybe you get a tough matchup where, um, you know, one of the bigger wings like Holmes or, and Welch can go to work against Nick Hopkins, who's six feet tall and, you know, pretty undersized for, for a shooting guard, but, you know, they need him on the floor. Santa does for his shooting ability. Um, so maybe those are, those are the two mismatches, I guess I would point out. I think, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, the biggest deal is that Santa's going to play small and uh, have had some struggles on the glass in their secret scrimmage and in their uh, D2 exhibition. Uh, so how they manage that, I think, will be uh, telling against an experienced team that gang rebounds like St. Bonaventure. So focusing on the Bonnies, since we are a Bonnies podcast, <laughs> I know a lot of us are really having some of the highest expectations, really since 1970, about this season. You have us ranked 23rd, which is wonderful since we haven't been ranked in 50 years in the AP poll. But some of us might be dreaming even higher. So what do you think is keeping the Bonnies away from being as wonderful as the fans listening to this podcast want to be, which is top 15 and actually competing legitimately for a national title and going just beyond, you know, an A-10 champion. Yeah, I, I was I was talking to a buddy about this the other day, and, and we were we were saying, oh, could, could Bonnie's be like that sneaky Final Four team? And we, we went through in our head the, like, touted mid-major, because every year it feels like there's one, like an A-10 or a Mountain West or a WCC that's, you know, in the top 20, top 25 in the preseason. And generally, it has felt like those teams have not quite lived up to their expectation. Utah State was a good example of that a couple of years ago. They were running it back off a, a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. It sounds familiar. Um, and they didn't quite live up to their expectation. snuck on in. I think the, uh, the, the, the common refrain is, okay, they didn't have quite enough talent. They never had top 25 talent. You know, they just had a very good team that, that fits so well together and then for any number of reasons, right? You don't win as many close games because you don't have quite as good a luck. You don't have quite as good chemistry a, a year over year. You don't have health. I mean, that's that's a huge, a huge thing, particularly with, with someone like Oshun Oshuni, who's been banged up in the past. I mean, all of those things can add up to being, you know, somewhat disappointing, even if it's still, you know, quite a good team. I think, you know, to me, that's, that's like the biggest concern, right? Is that a lot of things went right uh, last year for St. Bonaventure and, uh, you know, do they all go right again? It's, it's, a, it's a real open question. Uh, but on the other hand, I think, you know, the good thing is that they've materially improved the roster. And I think that's all you can ask for. I think guys have improved year over year. Um, you know, Holmes' jump last year is a good example of that. Uh, so so in my mind, I feel comfortable having them where I have them, despite maybe, you know, you would say, someone would say, oh, well, if you line up the rosters, you know, Texas Tech has way more talent than St. Bonaventure. Like, I don't care. I think St. Bonaventure's, you know, tough and well coached and has veterans all over the place who could play anywhere in the country. Uh, so, so to me, I'm, again, I'm confident as a top 25, but you know, the reason why it wouldn't all come together is that it's really hard to put together those types of season two team, two seasons in a row. And they had a heck of a year last year. So looking at your, um, your overall rankings with the A-10, you have six teams in the top 100, which I feel like is kind of in line with what, we, what we've what we seen this offseason so far. But half of those teams are between 80 and 100, VCU, Davidson, St. Louis. Um, Richmond at 46, pretty high on Dayton, I think, at 67. Is, is If I put the over-under at one and a half <laughs> – bids this year what what are you what are you taking there do you do you think a richmond or dayton is gonna be in the conversation in march if it was at one and a half at large teams on the seed list i would take the under if it was one and a half total bids i would take the over i think that's kind of where i would come down i think 
there's one clear at large caliber team, St. Bonaventure, Richmond, I think, you know, I have them 46 are right on the cut line. Um, and the other teams, I think it's going to take something special, right? Like I, I really like Dayton's talent. I think Kobe Elvis is going to be an outstanding player for them. Kamar is going to be outstanding, but I think they're so young that early on they're going to have some problems. And, you know, especially in the A-10, which is not a league that is traditionally uh, treated, uh, has not treated young teams well. I think it's going to be challenging for them to get to at-large caliber. I don't think Davidson's that caliber of team. I don't think St. Louis without Perkins or VCU without uh, Watkins and potentially a hampered Ace Baldwin. Like, to me, those are the, like, that's the next tier. And I don't necessarily see the Rhode Islands or the George Masons or UMass's getting up into that mix either. I just don't think they have enough. So, yeah. you know, to, to me, it, it feels challenging to say that they'd get two at-larges unless Richmond can kind of slide their way in there. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of that's just tied to the injuries at, at St. Louis and VCU would have had a much better shot otherwise. Or the Fordhams. Don't forget the Fordhams. <laughs> yeah, <come on. laughs> If Kyle Neptune had Fordham, even in the top 100, I think he should be in the mix for national coach of the year. Uh, it would be fantastic to watch. He should have his own street in the Bronx named after him if he does that. Yeah, rename the gym, rename the street, rename the university. Neptune U. Why not? <laughs> That'd be good. Nice uniforms, nice teal uniforms probably. I'm in with it. <laughs> so I, you did mention a little bit about Siena in your background. I mean – we're familiar with Siena since there were sister schools as fellow Franciscan universities. I know personally, Siena was very high up on my list. I actually was pretty interested in Siena before visiting St. Bonaventure. What's kind of your, do, do you want to go into a little bit of your connection with, with Siena and kind of what people may not know about Siena if they've never been there? Yeah. I mean, I think I so I, like I said, I grew up, I grew up 10 minutes from campus. Uh, my brother goes there now. My dad went there. My mom works there. Uh, I grew up a season ticket holder. I grew up, you know, I, I fell in love with college basketball. The reason I'm doing what I do today is that I fell in love with college basketball when it was when I was nine because Fran McCaffrey's Siena teams were going to the NCAA tournament and beating Ohio State and beating Vanderbilt. And I was I didn't realize at that point that wasn't a normal thing that could happen at a, a place like Siena. And then the energy, obviously, of it, you know, Albany's such a kind of unique sports town and that they don't have a pro team. So people come out and you get five, 6,000 people at a, at a game. It was just kind of intoxicating for me. And I fell in love for better or for worse uh, with, with that program. And, you know, it's, it's been, you know, cool for me as a, as a guy who's now understands the landscape so much better to a, be able to look back on some of those games when I was 10 and be like, holy shit, like how did Sienna do that? Uh, and then also be able to, now as a as a national guy and you know understand the landscape be able to kind of see where it fits and they've had some bright moments in the last couple of years you know especially under Carm who has uh, become a good friend of mine you know obviously winning two MAC titles and you know seeing a guy like Jalen Pickett develop into who he is and Manny Camper develop I mean it's it's one big league basketball but it's it's fun one like one one big league basketball and the MAC as a whole is just you know always unbelievably competitive uh year over year there's always plenty of parity it is you know again is it is it always the prettiest basketball certainly not but uh sometimes somehow i can't shake the itch so you might catch me on a friday <laughs> night watching uh watching some like niagara canisius for the hell of it oh yeah same <laughs> same <laughs> i i have to say the last thing i expected to see in the uh Buffalo Bills' putrid, disgusting, embarrassing loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars today was <laughs> Canisius basketball highlights on CBS because 
Chris Manhurts, a Jaguars tight end, played basketball at Canisius, which I had no oh, idea. Oh, that's right. Chris, so Chris, Manhurts, sh- Chris Manhurts cooked <laughs> Sienna in a MAC tournament game in like 2013 that I drove to Springfield to watch with my uh, oh. with my brother. It was it was not a fun time. So, and now he's <laughs> sort of sort of Billy Barron. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, Billy Barron, my god. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I just I, I was shot sitting there by myself, <laughs> drinking and just seeing Canisius highlights on a Bills horrible loss was it was not only and it's also getting dark here at like 5 p.m now so men- mentally i'm i'm not in a i have the sunday scaries let's just put it that way but can you <laughs> give us anything even if it's just a minute on what to look for with canisius because we play them sunday yeah I, I picked them last in the league and i don't feel very good about that um i don't really feel good about picking anyone last i think like i kind of said it's always a you know a lot of parody but i think this year in particular the league has a ton of ton of parity. I think, you know, Canisius certainly has like top five potential. Uh, you know, Malik Green is probably their best player. He's a preseason all league guy. He's six foot seven. He's a I think a Moorhead straight Moorhead State transfer. Uh, he's athletic. He's skilled. He can you know handle the ball. I mean, he's a, he's a fun player to watch. Um, I think the big question for them is is their guard play. Um, that was the reason why I picked him last. Was I just didn't trust. Uh, having lost Majesty Brandon at point guard from a season ago, you know they have a couple of wings who aren't necessarily great field guys, and Jordan Henderson and Armand Harid, uh, and then uh, a JUCO kid who was in the mix last year, Ahamadou Fofana. Uh, and I recall the one or two times I suffered through Canisius basketball last year that I didn't love his game. So that was why I was a little bit more <laughs> I was a little bit more down on on Canisius, but. It would not take much, and I'm, I'm, as we're doing this, I just pulled up a, a box score from a D2 exhibition to see if there's anything worth noting. And this sophomore wing named CM Ujitendal, which is definitely not how it's pronounced, but we're going to say it is, uh, put up 18 points in like 20 minutes, which I didn't even know he was a person. So I'm going to say that <laughs> he could be a breakout candidate. I'm going to go out on a limb here. So. That is why we do this podcast for Canisius versus D two box scores. <laughs> hey, this is this is this is the the glamorous life of being a college basketball reporter. I I love it, honest to God. Like I am so pumped for these these two games, and then going to Charleston. Like I'm not even being sarcastic. I, I cannot wait for for Bonnie's season to start. It's gonna be awesome, man. I'm I'm excited to watch watch the Bonnies, man. I mean, this this gonna be a great team, and you know that they're they've always been a program I've enjoyed watching, and this year, I mean, to have guys back in, in a year where there's so many new faces, to have this kind of core that you, you got to got to fall in love with last year is a mm-hmm. is a treat for fans that uh, they should you know not not take lightly because there are very few teams like this in college basketball, if any. Yeah, we hope at the very end of the season, standing alone and beating your projection by a little bit from 23 to maybe number one. But you know what? That's just our wishful thinking. But we thank you so much, Kevin Sweeney, once again coming here on SB Unfurled and Friends, breaking down CNN and Canisius. A lot of Mac with two A knowledge, A-plus knowledge with the Mac with two A's. Kevin, do you want to just plug anything for you um, with your podcast and what you do for Sports Illustrated? Yeah, lot, lots of stuff to come uh, for SI in the opening week, and then my podcast will have a new episode out uh, as well. Uh, CBB Central Podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you listen to pods, it should be there. So appreciate you having me, guys. Exactly. Wherever you listen to it right here. You can also find him on it because we're probably on the same platform. So listen to us both. <laughs> Kevin, thanks again so much again. <laughs> thanks, Kevin. Thanks, guys. St. Bonaventure isn't an alien. St. Bonaventure isn't an alien. 
it was really good to have Kevin on. He gave us a lot of good perspective on the Mac. He's, you know, he grew up aligned with Siena. So that was really nice for him to give us some perspective on them because they're a sister school and, you know, it's four hours away. So not many bonus people may have also been to Siena like me. So it's like, you know, you know where, you know how both schools are kind of similar in those respects, except mm-hmm. they're, you know, in a little bit of a bigger city, but um, we're glad, I'm glad we got Kevin on. Who is most likely to uh, drink out of the Franciscan cup like Stocker did on our team? <laughs> right now? I think um, I'm going to, I have my answer, but I want to hear yours. Let's see. I think it'd be Attaway. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think, although I don't know, like, we don't know if he's going to be playing and, and stuff, but he'll still be there. I mean, I, th- I think he, I could see him doing it. Yeah. Uh, I was going with Holmes, but. Okay. I, I could see it. I mean, I could see just about anybody doing it. I, I think none of them really True. surprised me, at least the, of, yeah. the, of the five returners. I mean, the other new guys, I don't really down of anybody. I think downtown Linton Brown, he would of the new people, he would do it, but he probably wouldn't be allowed to. Cause the, the starting five would be like, Hey, get in line yeah. newbie. <laughs> the starting five has enough hardware now already. I mean, they can, they can give that to, to downtown. Yeah, exactly. But that makes that kind of is a good segue into what we want to talk about next with, um, with that wonderful Alfred exhibition with the, um, let's just say an exhibition style camera angle. Unfortunately, the main camera angle was down. Yeah. So if you guys were at the game, you probably heard people complaining about that. Should be fixed for Tuesday, hopefully. But it was kind of it was kind of hard to see the spacing of the offense. And that was kind of why, you know, you watch that kind of game since you don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, go into that expecting, oh, we must win by 25 points or whatever fortunately it seems like schmidt gets guys ready for the exhibitions i can't remember any exhibition game that has been even remotely close i feel like maybe once against mansfield we were maybe only up five or something at the half and then we yeah. ended up rolling them or stuff i feel like that's the only vague one i can remember we never have these circumstances like syracuse has lost to lemoyne before mm-hmm that you mentioned the camera angle that just reminded me of the it was exactly like the classic 2000 blaze o'connor camera angle of the jr bremer three. Oh if you've yes. seen that like <laughs> i felt like i was just watching blaze o'connor's work again on espn plus um but yeah they'll get that figured out thankfully because i didn't even think of that like you really couldn't see the spacing or even like some of the quickness that sometimes jumps out at you on screen it was kind of tough to see and then once they swung the ball to the corner also tough to see there but I I know they'll get that figured out it was awesome to see Linton Brown um just really already kind of look comfortable with these guys uh just a really quick catch and shoot release from him um and I you know I I was kind of worried about like if the new guys were going to gel this quickly um again it's alfred obviously so we're not going to read too much into it but i just thought just from a comfort level like because some of these guys Linton brown included looked he looked kind of rattled during the three-point contest and fan jam so i was like <laughs> all right okay well if he's rattled for you know this three-point contest when the balls are sitting on a rack what's it going to be like in live action but i think it was because because um, captain beer wasn't at the exhibition game but captain beer was a judge during the dunk contest so i yeah. think it was captain beer's intimidation factor <laughs> true i mean that, that shout out be, to him yeah. shout out to dom <laughs> yeah but um brown at all the all the guys that we think are gonna have maybe if not a, a shot at a really good 
um, chunk of minutes in Schmidt's rotation. These serious role players that we all thought coming in, like Brown, uh, Koulibaly, Adams, and then even Justin Enjak Tajore, I was really um, pleased to see him him play play well because I've been hearing from people in the program on the staff that he's a guy to look out for. They think he's going to be really good. He reminded me honestly of uh, a young Denzel Gregg, same size, same kind of build, same athleticism. Um, so it was good to see him, the freshman, get get some good looks in there. But I most of all. I felt good about Brown and Koulibaly. Koulibaly stepping out, hitting a nice mid-range jumper. That's going to be a welcome addition to the to the front court. Going to provide yes. a lot of mismatches in, in some of these games. Would you go as far as to agree with the bandwagon take that said that Koulibaly has shades of Bob Lanier? <laughs> I, you know, I believed it when the bandwagon said Josh Ayani has shades of Bob Lanier, and I'm gonna. <laughs> I believe it again. I have to. I, I believe everything I read on the bandwagon. Everything. <laughs> everything that's everything where i read vaccine. on the yeah that's where that's where aaron Rodgers got his vaccine advice from <laughs> yeah joe rogan has an account on uh bandwagon <laughs> for sure i could see that pedro pedro rossi is going to be the next uh manu ginobili even he was actually pretty good and, and, and I, I mean he's a walk-on but it's I, I mean he has a good pedigree he's on a youth team for the argentinian yeah. national team like he's obviously not going to really do anything this year but Hey, he, he had a little flash in there, but I think we talked about it. Linton Brown was the clear takeaway from Thursday night. It wasn't even just that he was knocking down some open shots, which I would hope just about any D1 basketball player can do against a D3 team. But you mentioned it. He looked very comfortable running the offense. He looked very comfortable doing those baseline cuts that Schmidt loves to incorporate in the offense. And I'm sure whether that's on the ball or off the ball, he, if he can do that, he's going to find himself in the rotation very often. Mm-hmm. Also led the team in rebounds, eight rebounds, uh, yeah, only true. one turnover. He had the ball quite a bit, I would say only one turnover. So, um, if you want to get on the floor as a new guy in Schmidt's offense, he's got to trust you. We talked about this a little bit last week. Like he needs to trust you with the ball in your hands and know that you're not going to get lost on defense. Um, so he's going to be one I really have my eye on in these next couple games because once it, you know, you, you crack it up to the D one level, granted we're playing, you know, teams that probably, I, I mean, Sienna could like, um, Kevin said they, they could press for, you know, second, third in the Mac. I, I don't think Canisius is even in that ballpark, but even so, um, we saw, you know, good role players in the years past look completely lost in their first couple games against teams like this. So sure. I'll be watching him and I'll be watching Koulibaly. One of those two is probably going to get the start. If Attaway can't go, I would guess maybe Koulibaly at the four, but yeah. you could also Sienna goes small. You could also see us going small with moving Welch up to the, to the four to match up with Gaines who's six, five as well at the four. So either, I won't be shocked if either one starts, but um, yeah, pleasantly surprised. Adams look good offensively too which was good because I thought he was going to come in and just be a defensive stopper and not maybe look to score much, but he even looked confident out there getting to the hoop, some acrobatic layups. Some of those might not work against D one front courts, but uh, it looked like all those guys, those four guys looked pretty comfortable out there. Yeah, I think so. And it's just nice to hear you say Adams look good on offense for a Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had an Adam since. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
And we'll um, be going up against Brendan Adams against GW. That's right. Yeah. yeah he uh, tra- or he grad. He did. Um, he didn't transfer. I guess he grad transferred from UConn. Yeah, I think he's a grad transfer, or he's yeah. just a yeah, transfer that didn't have to sit. No one, no one has to sit. Well, anymore, no one has but, to sit. But I think he's a grad transfer. Yeah, and we'll be playing his his current team and his old team as well with our buddy uh, Pageant Mom Dan Hurley. <laughs> oh, we! I cannot wait for the podcast that we're going to drop that week. We're going to have to do something pretty good. Good cold that. open to make up for, yeah. for today. <laughs> so, just want to recap one thing that we did before and or before the Alfred game for you all in case you weren't on Twitter right before the game. We did this thing called Twitter Spaces and it's pretty cool. It's kind of like this except you guys can join in on the conversation by, you know, requesting to speak or just letting us know and we can, you know, add you as a co-host or or speaker or something and it's a more even more casual version of this where we just kind of sit around in the pregame and just kind of Talking and riffing. I mean, what did you think of our, our Twitter spaces? Could you hear the music I was playing? Do I need it louder, lower? I like having the, a little music, a party vibe, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I party think it atmosphere. was the right volume when we were talking. I think okay. in the beginning, you could probably turn it up a little more. And then when we, once we start, you were playing some some nice old school jams. What was on yes. the playlist? Uh, on the A10 Talk St. Bonaventure forum, go to songs Justin and Jack to Joy will warm up and party to this year. And it's all oldies. I was just playing those. A bunch of oldies. Bunch and I don't even songs. know why I asked if it was too loud or low because I don't remember how loud I even had it. So that doesn't mean it doesn't mean no good to know that. <laughs> but either well, way, it's it's a really fun time. It's it's pretty interactive that we've seen some other A10 We've all kind of had the same idea because it's a newer thing. It basically is just an offshoot of Clubhouse that Twitter adapted. Mm-hmm. You know, our good buddy Curry yes. Hicks Sage at UMass was also doing them right around when we first started testing it out in the off season. Petey Buckets, he does Hey Ten, the Hey Ten podcast. He mm-hmm. also did after the game, after our game on Thursday night. He also did kind of an A Ten wide one. Petey yes. gets a little. Petey's an awesome guy, but they were doing. They're very basketball heavy. It was it was good information, but at a certain point, I was just thinking like I I don't need to worry about Dayton's eighth man right now. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> Rodgers gonna... just started. He just fired up a Twitter Spaces. Uh oh. Just now, yeah. The Is it uh, true Twitter wouldn't that be on uh the QAnon Sh- What's that guy's name? He's the in QAnon there. Shaman. Shaman, yeah, it looks like that's him. Uh, Gleason's in there. Oh, we have okay. Skeller Six is in there. Don't <laughs> think they're Packers fans. Oh my God, Skeller Six and Rugburn is in there too. Oh, of course He's he in is. Aaron Rodgers' spaces right now. Did John Gruden join him? Uh, <laughs> Gruden's not in there right now. No, uh, he's busy at Hooters, no. man. Yeah, he's busy. I'll tell you, he's man. busy. <laughs> Same with Urban Meyer. <laughs> hey, Urban Meyer is partying right now. Back at his restaurant. Sorry about that. Uh, lost there, Bills fans. Mm. Didn't even watch a second of the game, and I saw um, in a group chat with other Bonnie's people, everyone's freaking out, like, oh, the Bills, oh, I can't believe they did that. I was like, you guys did not seriously lose to the Jaguars, and I checked the score, and I saw it was 6-9, to nine, and I was like, yeah, really? Horrible. Really? You, I Really? Not, am I going to believe this? Did somebody hack ESPN, the <laughs> app? <laughs> At least give a scoregami if it's going to be that bad. Make it like 9-5 to five or something funny Ooh. like that. Couldn't even like, be – I mean, 6-9 to nine is okay if you're on the winning yeah. side, but was that, my God, that was that horrible. Reminds, didn't the Bills and Browns lose – or didn't the Browns beat the Bills 6-3 to three, like 
a decade ago or something? Yeah, that was in like a Blizzard game, I think. I think it was oh. Lossman had a shot at the end zone late. I might be misremembering it, but I yes, I, th- I think it was six to three. All right. I, th- hey, I think it- the Browns had like 40 yards of total offense in one or something like that. Oh, man. <laughs> enough enough twists in the knife into the Bills' hearts because we got to get these good vibes, even if you're not a Bills fan for the Bonnies, because they have the best chance of winning a championship in Western New York. I'm going to say it right there. There's the hot take. Better chance of us winning than the Bills have of winning the Super Bowl. How about that? I'll take either, especially <laughs> the Bonnies, but I, I'll take either at this point. <laughs> oh, no, but thank you all so much again for listening here on this quicker edition of SB Unfurled and Friends. We're going to be trying to drop podcasts as much maybe once a week during the season, especially as things progress further and further into A-10 play. Our next podcast, we should be getting you ready for Charleston, which I'm still not sure if I'm going to be able to go unfurled. I know you definitely are going, so mm-hmm. we can – we can help give people a, a, a view of, of what they can expect to visit down in Charleston because Charleston yep. I've been before. It's a really gorgeous city. Yes, I've heard great things. I've heard it's maybe the best city in the South along with Nashville. Never been there. I am pumped. I'll be there for the Friday and Sunday games. It'll be good to have that Saturday to just kind of casually drink, hopefully, and not, you know, not get too uh, too out of control, but we'll we'll see yeah. what happens. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Bona fans there. It's going to be tough to to say no to joining in every curric- extracurricular activity there. Exactly. Charleston has some nice breweries, but it does not have the, I guess, the bachelorette party scene that you think of Nashville with all the buses that drive around the city. So it's it's a little more laid back, but it's a very gorgeous city. We can talk more about that next week, though. Thank you all yep. so much for joining us again here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Follow us on Twitter at SB Unfurled. If you haven't done it yet, go to SBUnfurled.com and check out his 810 preview, massive 75-page preview of the entire Atlantic 10. Great infographics and great information from contributing writers about teams and new players and transfers and all that great stuff. Mm -hmm. Lilibon X if you want some nonsense on Twitter as well. And be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platforms, wherever you're listening to us right now, probably Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitch your tune in. Now we've got our fix on Google Podcasts. Thanks to Ghost McHistory, our good friend on Twitter from Dayton, helping us get on Google Podcasts because our listing was incomplete there, but now we're on there. So if you use Google Podcasts, hey, we got that all fixed for you. Thanks again so much for joining us. <laughs>